And now for an episode of Knuckleheads in Isolation, Drinking Black Coffee. Good morning. How are you? Hey, this this is, you know what, I, man, I'm fantastic. This is a little bit later than what we normally do, so I've yeah. had more than one cup of coffee now, and, and you're prettier after a couple of cups of coffee, Matt. I, um, I figured it would go the opposite <laughs> direction to that, but, but Kyle, have you ever Maybe have it's you ever because started, my mood is better. Yeah, your, your mood's a little better. Ha, have you ever started just talking and realize as soon as something comes out of your mouth, you just need to go ahead and put your foot right on in the... Uh, you know, has that ever happened to you? But, but like maybe today, but I'm gonna, I, you, you know, but I'm gonna say that does not happen to me nearly as often as that happens to you. Yeah, that's probably that's a fair statement <laughs> uh, because moments moments before our guest today came on, oh, I I told you he was making an espresso, um, the true and, and better uh, black coffee, and uh, and you had a a word to describe him, and I'm really disappointed that you would have such a a uh, foul mouth uh, with you. Um, so, so what was that word, Kyle? What What did you? Yeah, call I, it, I believe guess? that word was. I, I believe that word was prima donna. That, that's the word that I used. I, I'm disappointed, I, Kyle. <laughs> I really am. Well, listen. I, that that was before I. That was before I saw this guy's coffee set up. And yeah, so that's true. I, I retract that, and now I'm filled with jealousy. Re- real, real <laughs> men drink espresso. Okay. Yes. And so, yeah. welcome to the show, Dr. Adam Greenway. We are certainly uh, grateful for you. You've been a friend of the pod for a, a while now, and uh, we have been following with interest the work God is doing in and through uh, you at the helm of the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, the crown jewel of Southern Baptist Seminaries. And so we're glad you uh, got up this morning a a little early there in Fort Worth to have a cup of coffee with us, or in your case, some espresso. And uh, so thank you for coming on, brother. Thank you for having me. Always good to be with you guys and certainly uh, uh, happy to share again a a cup of the uh, finest extract of the the bean uh, espresso that uh, God has given to, uh, to his people. The bean of great glory. Amen. Yes. Amen. And uh, many, many world changers have uh, used the bean of great glory to accomplish what they did. Uh, that was sounding better in my head. Uh, Dr. Greenway, now, now, right out of the bat, I want to ask, uh, re- really, this is a loaded question, perhaps, but, but how are y'all doing? Yeah, you know, we're doing uh, well, despite the circumstances. Uh, I celebrated 15 months as president uh, of Southwestern two days ago. And uh, to say that these last 15 months have been um, uh, interesting would be the understatement of the, uh, of, of the year. Um, the Lord was so kind in allowing my family and I to come uh, back home to Southwestern and to serve here as president. And it has been an extraordinary journey, one already that, that has um, been filled with all kinds of extraordinary blessings and opportunities, and I believe real accomplishments of what the Lord is already doing and kind of bringing a, uh, I've used the term recalibration, reset, uh, revitalization uh, to Seminary Hill, and for those things, I'm very grateful, and we were already you know, making a lot of uh, progress when COVID-19 uh, came our way, and so we've had to do things that, that we've never done before in our 112-year history, including ceasing uh, on-campus in-person instruction and attempting to depopulate the campus of students. Uh, the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. We, you know, I look out my window on campus, and I, I want to see teeming uh, masses of, 
uh, students, uh, you know, talking theology and walking to class and enjoying this uh, incredible 200 acres we have here on Seminary Hill. And instead, I look out and I see grass. Um, so in that sense, uh, it is very abnormal. But uh, our faculty and staff have really done an extraordinary job in very short order of moving from uh, a hybrid of on-campus online instruction to an entirely online institution for this season. And uh, huge kudos to our campus technology team, Dr. Adam Dodd and, uh, and others who have just helped make things happen uh, in short order to serve faculty, including some faculty for whom online pedagogy was a new experience. Yeah. Uh, we have tried to make as much as we can the student experience as um, non-impacted as possible. We, you know, the students are the most important people at Southwestern Seminary, and they did not ask for this crisis. Uh, they're facing their own challenges in terms of navigating family and ministry and job and life and, and those kind of things. But um, Southwestern Seminary is a resilient institution. Uh, we've navigated uh, world wars and depression and uh, a lot of other challenges from within and from without. And in every case, Southwestern Seminary has always come stronger. And uh, by God's grace, uh, we will do that uh, as well in this situation. Um, so we're really wanting just to be found faithful uh, in terms of our calling and our assignment and to be as um, judicious as we can in making plans moving forward about when uh, we will be able prayerfully to, um, to reopen and uh, to repopulate this campus, which we believe is exactly uh, the right thing. Yeah, and, and I can, uh, as a student right now in the, the doctoral, doctoral program, uh, can, can share just my, my thoughts there. It has been an absolute blessing. I've got my last seminar coming up in May and uh, was looking forward to kind of that, not, not the one last visit to, to Fort Worth, because that's home for us, uh, but, uh, but one of the last times that I would be there as a student until the uh, PhD program uh, comes calling. But uh, I, I started my journey at Southwestern with Dr. Uh, Queen, and uh, I will end this part of that journey with Dr. Queen as well uh, with a, uh, a course. And I was, I was chomping at the bits and, uh, and couldn't wait to get there. And, uh, and then they sent this uh, new syllabus out and so forth. And I, I love uh, the formatting of it. And uh, I, when, when I knew we were going online, my first thought was, I don't know how I'm going to survive five days of like eight or nine hours straight on Zoom. Like that was my first thought. You know, when I, when I knew we were going online, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I'm going to have to take like a picture of me and put it above the screen so I can like sit down on the floor <laughs> for a minute or something and just pretend to be there. That's what was going through my mind. And then it came out sure. and, and the way they're, uh, breaking it up is uh, one very convenient in the sense that during this whole season, our churches are going to be phasing opening up and, and things like that. And so it's very flexible uh, to have kind of a weekly chat with our class where in, in this case, every class is going to be different. We'll walk through a book and, and some of the practical implications there on, on the first one. And then the second one, then we've got, I think two or three days uh, back to back, uh, and, and I just saw it in my, there, there was like this sea of relief that came over me as a student because I was trying to figure out in the timing of it, this was going to be where we will likely be opening up uh, in, in our yeah. area. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pull off opening up everything where I'm on Zoom from 
seven to four o'clock or something like that. And to have it broken up like that has been a godsend for, for pastors and, and ministers. And, and you, you truly put them first. And, uh, and so I'm grateful uh, for that and just wanted to share that as a thank you uh, that, that we would extend to the whole staff for the way they have pivoted, as all pastors have during the season and missionaries have pivoted to make make the most of our time and uh, in ministry opportunities. And so thank you for that. I'm excited about the the final one. It will be much different than my first one <laughs> and and will hopefully be very different from my next one when when the next round comes. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm grateful for it. I, I can't I can't say enough. Uh, Dr. Randy Simpson, our provost and vice president for academic administration, the deans of our schools, our faculty, really to a person have just risen to the occasion. And uh, the heartbeat of the faculty at Southwestern Seminary is for the students. And even in the midst of what faculty themselves are having to navigate in terms of their own situations, uh, I know just from conversations that I've been involved with, um, their heartbeat and passion is to try to continue to well serve students, knowing students are not just students with us, but they're pastors and they're serving on church staffs and they're having to deal with their own sense of social uh, distancing and sheltering in place and, you know, really the inability to do ministry the way ministry is designed to be done. Uh, ministry is uh, inherently personal. It's relational. It's, um, it's tactile, if I can say it that way. We, you know, we, we long to be with others in community and presence. And for many of our pastors, the, the struggles of preaching to empty rooms, not being able to do any in-person visitation of, of, of the traditional kind, having to you know, do everything via Zoom or FaceTime or other technological means, um, obviously it's better than if we didn't have these things, and, you know, uh, but it's not the same. And, and it, it creates a longing within us, which is good and healthy and right to where on the other side of this, I believe we're gonna see a desire for community and for coming together that is gonna be fresh. Uh, you know, the old proverb, you don't really appreciate the water until the well runs dry. We're, we're getting to really uh, find out some things that maybe we took for granted that uh, would always be there and we would always have access to, and right now we don't. Uh, we haven't had those things. And so prayerfully there'll be a, a sense of renewal that will come on the other side of this that God will use to draw us more closely together and help us keep our focus upon uh, what matters most, which is uh, the word of God and the lives of people. As churches uh, obviously have, are, are walking through plans right now of what reopening will look like, you know, and whether we're going to immediately resume everything or whether everything will be back to 20%. And so many of us are waiting on, uh, you know, kind of our States to, to issue, um, orders and, and capacity um, restrictions and all that. So uh, even as churches are looking towards summer and, and fall and, and reevaluating what, what programs and, and schedules will look like, I, I'm sure for Southwestern, you're having the exact same discussions. We, we've already talked a little bit about summer, uh, but as you look to fall um, and, and share just, you know, as much as you're, as you're willing to put out there on air, but, but how are you navigating those decisions as well as, as you're looking at, at fall and what, what reopening the, the physical campus might look. Yeah, I think you're going to see um, some news from Swibitz uh, very shortly that will lay out what our plans and intentions are. I'll simply say at this point, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has uh, indicated he is lifting the statewide uh, shelter-in-place order at the end of April, which of course is tomorrow, um, and you know, a beginning a process of phasing in, obviously, 
local counties, county judges, mayors will have input in terms of what's happening. We work very closely with uh, the officials here in Tarrant County and the city of Fort Worth, this great city we've called home since 1910. Um, so uh, I expect that uh, we'll be putting out uh, information very shortly about what our intentions and our plans are. Um, and I think you're gonna see a, a hopeful, optimistic uh, tone that will be coming from Southwestern, wanting to be obviously wise and prudent. But, um, but it is our intention as soon as we can to, to do everything we can to bring this campus back to full life and operation and uh, for uh, Seminary Hill to be everything that we want it to be uh, in a way that will be responsible and healthy and safe. Um, so uh, I, I would expect that uh, uh, there'll be some uh, news coming uh, very soon about what our plans are at Southwestern Seminary and Scarborough College. That's awesome. awesome. And, and, and we hope that the, the, uh, the brand new ballpark that's about 10 miles away from Southwestern will be open later on this summer as well. <laughs> You know, uh, it, it is uh, certainly heading towards what should be the crescendo of uh, baseball season, the new uh, uh, park where the uh, Texas Rangers uh, play. Uh, I know that uh, maybe some individuals even on this um, podcast who would want to be spending a little time there in the uh, near future. And so we continue to remain uh, optimistic, not to mention as we look towards the fall and uh, football season, um, you know, a lot of... Um, Prayers going up, I would say, for uh, what uh, uh, will be happening on Saturdays and Sundays uh, in the fall. Yeah. Well, well and, and not just you know, not just for entertainment purposes, but but I know for for the North Texas for the, for the Metroplex community, there's a ton of economy that's based around uh, right there in Arlington and yes. the, the entertainment center there. So yeah, I mean, you know, again, in, I, I say often. In God's providential kindness, we are the best situated seminary in the Southern Baptist Convention being here in the Fort Worth, Dallas Metroplex. I always said that correctly. And uh, part of that is just because of the economic opportunity that is here. Now, that economic opportunity has been disrupted quite a bit because of COVID-19. But on the other side of it, uh, we have every uh, conceivable advantage you could want in terms of the quality of life, in terms of the culture, in terms of the weather, in terms of the setting uh, that God's placed us in. Um, you know, I, I, I have joked with people, you know, of all the places where I could possibly be sheltering in place, I can't think of anywhere else I'd want to be other than Seminary Hill in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do like the way you said that because George Strait did not ask, does Dallas ever cross your mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, to, 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 to uh, reappropriate an old joke that I believe uh, was once told by W.A. Criswell uh, in the opposite fashion. Uh, what does uh, Dallas have that Fort Worth uh, does not? A great city next door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, a lot, is, a lot has been asked about, is this God's judgment on America? I believe Kyle thinks that this is God's judgment for Bart Barber uh, sharing that he was going to nominate me as the uh, SBC Pastors Conference president. Uh, I believe, I, I still will take this to the grave, that this is God's judgment, because on April 1st, Kyle and I were supposed to be on Seminary Hill for the Church Revitalization Conference, yes, we were. and yes. uh, yeah, that knucklehead got tickets to the game uh, for two, but not for me. It wasn't for me and him, it was for me and his brother, and, wow. uh, and then no. yeah. right after, I'm just saying, <laughs> this came, and, uh, and so I, I still believe that this is all God's judgment. 
on Kyle. And so everybody, for the record, I did not get tickets. My brother got tickets <laughs> for me matter. and him. That's doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still rolling with it. Should have been me and your brother. Uh, no, uh, we're grateful for you, Doctor Greenway. As we begin to wind down, uh, what is just what what has maybe God placed on your heart as a word of encouragement to to pastors, church leaders, professors, whoever might be uh, tuning in this morning? Well, you didn't ask me this question, but I, I'm going to just take a stab at something you just said a moment ago. You know, uh, there are a lot of voices out there trying to answer the question, why? Why COVID-19? Why now? How did this happen? You know, that's just a very difficult proposition because as uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 reminds us, they're just things that we don't know because God hasn't chosen to reveal them. And um, I think it's very uh, difficult, and, and I caution against trying to discern uh, God's motives and God's ways on things that he has not chosen to uh, reveal. We live in a Genesis 3 world. Uh, we have the hope of a John 3 Savior, but uh, we are uh, not immune from the kind of things that happen, including uh, disease and, and pestilence and, you know, viruses and, and, and those kind of things. So, uh, is this somehow a special judgment from God? Is this somehow some special reckoning? I, I, I would be very reticent to try to opine definitively on the causes of this, other than the fact that we live in a broken, fallen, hurting world that desperately needs the gospel of Christ. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, God uh, in his mercy and in his sovereignty uh, is allowing us to experience these things because there is something he wants us to um, become on the other side of it. And I will say uh, a line that I've used before, you know, pain sensitizes you as a leader in a way that maybe nothing else does. And perhaps on the other side of this, um, we're going to become a more compassionate and a more caring uh, church and community because we're experiencing pain unlike anything that most of us have ever known. Um, and when you read the Gospels, you become immediately struck by the compassion of Christ. Uh, a compassion that candidly is often lacking in the people of God. Uh, we, we're usually pretty good on the on the judgment side. We're not always as good on the on the mercy side. And so, you know, I, I hope that as a result of this, we do uh, increase our capacity to really um, uh, mourn with those who are mourning, to weep with those who are weeping, to hurt with those who are hurting. Um, obviously, we have a responsibility to bind up those wounds and to be people who are instruments of hope and healing and grace. And, and mercy, um, but all of us uh, have had our lives disrupted to varying extents. Um, but you think especially about people who are, who are losing loved ones, whether it's because of COVID-19 or other situations, and the inabilities to have regular memorial services, funerals, visitations, because of all of the uh, limiting factors there. That, that is a grievous thing uh, in, in, in what is happening. And um, on the other side of this, we're going to need to continue to find ways to, to minister hope and encouragement uh, to people. You know, Jimmy Dripper is somebody I've long uh, had uh, for, a uh, former president of Lifeway, former chairman of our board of trustees, longtime pastor at First Baptist Church, Ulysses. And uh, he said uh, years ago, I, I want to preach a more hope-filled gospel. There's hope, real hope in Jesus Christ. And the thing that... Um, we have a responsibility to do is to be a people of hope. I, I tweeted out yesterday, uh, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte's uh, line, a leader is a dealer in hope. 
And, um, and there's something about that. I think we have responsibilities as pastor, in my case, as a seminary president, even in the midst of a world where there's so much doom and gloom and naysaying and hand-wringing and um, uh, worry about what's going to happen and all the disruption and all the things, the, the models that can say that uh, everything is going south. Um, I've still read the back of the book. Uh, I'm still uh, hopeful because in the end, Jesus still wins. Amen. And as long as Jesus still wins, we need to be a people of hope and uh, gospel hope, uh, uh, mission hope, um, focusing upon uh, what matters most and what will last. And the church is going to prevail. Uh, our work is going to continue. It may look a little different, but, um, but I refuse to believe that God in any way is finished with you, with your church, uh, or with our seminary. And so that's why even in the midst of uh, the uncertainty and the pain that is happening around us, I still can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be or anything else I'd rather be doing than helping to equip the next generation of God-called men and women for a lifetime of ministry that's going to glorify God and fulfill the Great Commission. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, Matt. Matt, hey, I'm uh, so excited. Do you know why? Because we have come to the end of the road. I'm going to stop right there. This is it. I know that. I, I know that song. I'm chiming in on your show before you yes. even introduce. Yeah, yeah. That that. Yeah, we, as I think I'm we're all kids of the '90s here, so we we, we uh, yeah. We, I, I we remember slowed, heard, slow that dancing to that in middle school dances. I, actually, I was the guy in the back, like just sitting. So no, I didn't dance. <laughs> Nobody would dance with me. I just sat there uh, all by myself. I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> Kyle, who do we have today? This morning we have the true and better Rainer. <laughs> Sam, yes. thank Dr. you, Dr. Sam. Wow, <laughs> is okay, I don't, I don't know how to comment on that one because thank you, that's very encouraging. One, that's a Tim Keller reference, and uh, no, but any sort of messianic connection with me, I, I don't know that that's a good thing. So, okay. we have, we have, thank you, thank we you. We have good Dr. Sam Rayner on. I'll take this that morning. one. I'll take okay, that there one. you go. <laughs> Hey, uh, Sam, I just got to say, uh, I haven't seen the outside of your building, uh, but I, I think I commented on one of your pictures the other day. The the inside might just be one of the most beautiful sanctuaries uh, that I've ever seen. Yeah, and, cool. uh, and and it's beautiful. I love the stained glass. It's, you know, real tall, beautiful on the side. Uh, just a great place uh, that I know has had years of faithful uh, preaching and worship. And uh, as you've been there, I know you're carrying that on. And uh, so, brother, we're glad yeah, well, you're here. Thank you, Matt. It, it, when I arrived, it was pink. Nice. So we, we uh, you know, for those of you listeners who preach every week in the Pepto-Bismol Bowl, um, that that was us before. I renov so we renovated the worship space. And it, it was, man, it, and we had a custom color done back in the late 80s, early 90s called Bradenton plum but the plum had faded and it had just become pepto-bismol pink <laughs> and the church was ready and to the to to the credit of my church uh they really stepped up yeah we renovated this space it was time it is a beautiful space when i arrived i said the bones were good you know you, you watch those home renovation shows with your wife it's like the bones are good which is basically another way of saying this is ugly um and but yeah we've made some good progress so thanks for noticing i i am glad that our church was not the only one the church that i was raised in first baptist in grand prairie 
uh, had this beautiful, beautiful dark wood uh, on the front, you know, with the baptistry and this like big bird yellow curtain uh, that covered it. And, uh, and so their pastor came in, uh, my pastor growing up came in and, and obviously was going to start renovating it. And they went with that pink color, um, but it, it wasn't Bradenton plum. It, it never faded. It was just straight. Pepto There's only one Bradenton plum. Man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it was just straight Pepto-Bismol pink, man. Oh. And, uh, and so it, it brought out the uh, stained glass windows all around, uh, but man, it was ugly. And uh, so finally they, uh, they went all white. It seems like every church I've served has either been, has either had red everything or blue everything. So, I mean, and like the church I grew up in, uh, when I was a kid, it was red, red carpet, red pews, red, red every, and to their credit, it all matched, right? So it was color coordinated, but you were just like engulfed in the sea of red. And I think every church I've, I had, I served one church that had red carpet everywhere and everything else has been blue. I don't know. I don't know if that's just like a standard Baptist. You know, you had to pick either red or blue. You know, or, you know, get your own color, custom color. Well, there were some trendsetters. <laughs> I mean, you had, man. I want to get this right. I think it was first Jacksonville that was red than blue. I mean, so you had some of these legacy churches from back in the day, particularly in our tribe, that you you know, well, if if Orlando is going to do this or if Bellevue is going to do this, then they would kind of set the trend a little bit. So I think I think a lot of that came from you know some of the trendsetters back in the day and it really was they they were at the forefront so, so like so bellevue would put in blue carpet and suddenly that became like It'd a purpose-driven yeah. model for everybody yeah it become gonna, a thing well it's just blue. it's so different than today <laughs> it's just different era right yeah, i mean true. When, when chris will started all his stuff at first dallas everyone was like you gotta have a recreation ministry where did it all come from well, it came from a few churches. It wasn't just First Dallas, but they were, they were at the forefront. That's how, that's how it rolls, man. So since you guys are trendsetters, um, <laughs> you're, the, the, you need to renovate your worship spaces in lime green. There you go. And then everyone will want to do it. Hey, Matt, Matt, has, uh, Matt could match tennis shoes because he's, he's got some lime green. He, he oversaw a business session at our state convention meeting wearing lime green tennis shoes. And Ronnie Floyd was just blown away by that. <laughs> Matt, man, you'd fit right in in Florida. That is the Florida man. I, I am the Florida man of, of the SBC. I mean, here's the thing. The way I, Californians are weird. Floridians are just bizarre. That's, that's the only way I know how to describe it. I, I have preached a, uh, a sermon in a uh, Whataburger orange suit. So in Whataburger boots and think, Whataburger shoes, I could I could pull it off. If y'all had a Whataburger, you know, this I, may not fit. I think I saw that on social media. Yeah. I think I've seen you in that suit. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt is the only person that, that Matt, Matt's the only person that I know um, who has made it on the people of Walmart website. <laughs> oh, the only... I have. No. I have. I'm I in, in... I am... I am in the realm of greatness. <laughs> I I was wearing my uh, Christmas suit and uh, got a uh, picture shot. But but yeah, you you talked about some of the trends that are coming. You know, I noticed. I think the first person is probably not the first person, but the first person I noticed to preach with kind of the TV screen right behind them uh, for the sermon notes or whatever uh, has has now, especially during this day with the the online uh, services that we're having to do. Uh, I've seen it in just about every one that, that is popping up on my feed. And uh, so, you know, 
I, uh, I think in our case, uh, I can't think of what the trend would be at our church unless we could bring those banners back. Um, we've, we still have the banners, man. This is a day that the Lord has made or whatever. Yeah, we still got those room. up, man. Yep. Yes. And uh, it's, I, I go in there and I'm like, hey, there's some in here that are actually kind of cool. Why don't we ever use these? Because <laughs> it's like the same, same eight or nine that rotate throughout the year. And, uh, but, but yeah. You know, I'm, I'm okay with, with the banners. You know, I, I don't know that it would fit our vibe in our worship space now, but yeah. it's kind of a throwback. It's, yeah. it, you know, yeah. homey. We had it the works. Big, like homemade ones uh, at the church growing up, the big, bright, you know, king of kings, lord of lords on the other side um, that somebody made in their home. Uh, with now, their, their you deal. are not a real Southern Baptist church unless you have the WMU quilt hanging somewhere. Uh-oh. Well, we can, can I offer at least the option that we have a Lord's Supper rug uh, that was hand-stitched, a giant rug that I, I feel like at some point once they made the rug, they realized we can't really walk on Jesus in the Lord's Supper. <laughs> so we, we hung it on the wall. So we do not have the WMU quilt, but we have the Lord's Supper quilt, uh, or not okay. quilt, but rug hanging up on the wall. So yes. I will, I will let, for points for creativity. On that one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, how, how are things oh, in Florida? Man. man, I think probably pretty similar everywhere else. Um, I'm going stir crazy, you know, kid, my kids are all right. My family's all right. My church is doing fine. Um, we do have one case that we know of in the church when it comes to the coronavirus. Um, they're going to be fine. They're going to recover. Uh, we're just kind of waiting, just like everyone else is. You know, the number the numbers in Florida actually looking pretty good in terms of case counts. And you know, I, I hate to talk like that, like a statistician, because these are lives that you know yeah. that, that represent these right. represent people. But um, we're we uh, at the time of this recording, we're going to start reopening slowly on Monday. So I'm kind of, kind of excited about that. We're, we're going to phase in at the church. We're not going to quote unquote, push the envelope. Um, thankfully, I, you know, I think our governor does have the interest of churches in mind. Um, I don't know him personally or anything like that, but you know, I feel like our government is not trying to hijack religious liberty. Um, so I, I feel good about kind of following the lead of, of what the government is saying in Florida. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're going to be all right. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a scary season and questions abound and still questions for the future, but, uh, I'll be glad personally, you know, I don't have the right answers, but I'll be glad personally to see things start opening back up again. There's a few counties that opened up their beaches and in Florida, that's really all that matters is the beach <laughs> open or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We had uh, Josh, Josh Revis on, and, uh, he said the one thing that people don't understand about Florida is we do what we want. And so uh, that was, that was his take on the whole thing. Not, you know. not only do we do what we want, we do it with flair. <laughs> so, so I can come and do what I want with lime green tennis shoes in a orange suit. And I will be right. Man, now. Here's the thing. I, I, I got, I got ushers and kids that like take up the offering somewhere in suit and tie. Summer and sandals and you know flip flops and shorts. I mean, it's Florida. Anything goes. That's what I love about my home. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
you can do whatever you want and nobody cares it's awesome awesome um, there is there is a little bit a little bit of that down here and it's great funny. it's glorious that's awesome um now sam what how, how is your church navigated through through these days? Are, are y'all live streaming? Are y'all in like some sort of a drive-in service, or how are y'all how are y'all meeting? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so we've <laughs> typical Florida. Uh, we've taken a little different approach to this. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that I ask my staff with, and you know, I'm blessed to have a staff, and I know probably a lot of your listeners may be bivocational or um, soul pastors, and so and every time I say that, I almost feel like guilty because you know. I've been there. I was bivocational for for a while. Um, you know, my church had six people because God knew that that's all I handle. Um, so, so anyway, um, we we have what we've done is I've told the the team uh, anything that let's focus on the things that we know we will continue. So let's really invest in the strategies that we're going to move forward with. So we are not, we're actually even not, we're probably not going to even live stream our services in the future. What we're going to do is pre-produce sermons like we are now um, and sort of a, a video experience that we're going to put online as an archive. So we're not, because the live, here's the thing about live services. And I know a lot of listeners may be doing this. I don't want to sound like I'm demeaning anybody because, hey, do what your church is going to, you know, do what edifies your church. It's a great thing about local autonomy. You know, just you have, you can do what edifies your church, pastor. Um, but if, even the best live experiences, I mean, the, the churches that have like a million dollars worth of equipment, the best of the best, it's still just kind of subpar. It, it doesn't quite match up to the experience experience itself. So everything doing is uh, pre-produced. It's got a whole different feel to it. You know, our services are an hour and five, hour and 10 minutes. What we put out online is 30 or under because of time, you know, attention span online. So it's a completely different strategy. It's, it's a wholly separate digital strategy. But what we're telling people is we want to enhance, not replace the, the gathering. So anything we do going forward we want to make sure that we don't give people an excuse to not be there. Um, so, and, and I know that I might be playing semantics a little bit and kind of parsing some, you know, minutia of strategy, but uh, really this is an enhancement of not a replacement for. Yeah. So everything, that's why I, you know, live streaming for us, and I'm not against it at all. Hear me out. Uh, if that's what works great. Good for you. Um, but we want people to, to, to push people into the gathering. So we're trying to avoid anything that would give excuses not to be here, if yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, yeah. I, and that was a really long answer. No, we're not live streaming. We're pre-producing and putting things out there uh, in terms of content. Okay. I think that's another way of saying, take that, Kyle. <laughs> well, so, so I don't even know I, what Matt, Kyle's doing. So I, Matt, I, I, answer the I just answered the question honestly. Yes, that's what I, that's what I asked. I have no so, clue what so, you're doing, Kyle. Well, we're live streaming. And, and, and the reason is, and I'm, I'm so, for, for mine, I'm so glad that, that we're live streaming because I see Matt's like outtake videos on his sermons and, and you know, him like flipping a word and then going back five times and trying to get it perfect. And, and, and I look at that and I'm like, well, 
like we're live stream. I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have the option to do that. So I, I can't pour over like the perfectionistic <laughs> side of it. So, you know, if I flub a word, I just got to deal with it and go on. <laughs> so, so last week, last week we're, we're doing the, uh, it was our final sermon in second Timothy. We've, we've did uh first Timothy last year and then uh, kicked off second Timothy. And then what, what we've done at our church uh, mo- most know is we we're doing drive in uh, for those that that want to and can come and and want to get out of the house. Thank you, and, Robert Schuler. Yes, and yes. Uh, and then That's where you're it comes like the from. fifth person who's mentioned that when we when we talked about yes. driving. Like, <laughs> and then then we pre-record for. <clears throat> we've got some that that are still concerned about getting out and so forth. So we we pre-record just the sermon for that. And uh, and so last week. I had recorded the the sermon and actually pulled off <clears throat> pretty pretty well. I didn't have many uh, flubs or whatever, and it's usually one of those things where I don't care if the flubs after the intro. It's like I just don't want to get up in the first word out of my mouth is you know like you know when I was doing the Easter one was uh, Merry Easter or something like that. Like I don't I don't want that mistake right out the gate, and so I'll I'll start those over. So usually it's like my my camera or my phone is maybe five or six videos that are like six seconds long where I just came out of the gate and completely screwed up. Uh, last, <laughs> last week I, I nailed it. I did okay. And then I had to record a video for uh, Tim McKnight and, uh, and the one disciple Dale about my story. That one was over 30 takes. And, uh, and so finally at, at like take 32, I just, I turned it off. I went, I took a, a, a lap around the church, just kind of walked, cleared my head, make sure I was still a Christian. And then I came back in and, and tried it again. So, so yeah, that's, that's not the, uh, that, that is my perfectionism that comes out in the, uh, the recording side of things, but our, our church has really enjoyed it. Uh, what we will probably do when, when we come back is still record them because that makes it easier for me to uh, record and upload, you know, sermon audio before, so it's just something else off of my plate on Sunday. And then we'll make the video available uh, the afternoon of Sunday, you know, for those that weren't able to come or, or on Monday, something like that. But, but that's awesome, man. Uh, as, as we begin to wind down and, and churches begin to wind up, uh, start opening up, you know, in various places. And in our case, it might be 2050 when we start to open uh, in, in yours. Like you said, it's, it's pretty soon. Uh, what's just some simple words of encouragement that you have for pastors kind of in this in-between time uh, from, from this pandemic side of things to moving into the future? What, what would be a word of encouragement you have for them? Yeah, I would say this is a chance for the reset button, not the pause button. So as you re-enter and as you think about strategies going forward, your people are likely at one of the most forgiving points. And what I mean by that is in terms of you being able to implement change, um, you have an opportunity here to kind of restructure, rethink, redo, reset. So I would hit the, the reset button, not the pause button. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's a reference to the old, you know, video games from back in the day for any of you Gen Zers who are listening, like, I don't, I don't understand. Um, you, you know, use this time to implement some change that needs to be done. Obviously do it in a gracious and pastoral way. Uh, you don't want to be heavy handed in your leadership. I hope that, you know, you don't take me as saying that, you know, go ahead and just run roughshod over your church, but uh, we're actually using this time to, to, to really stretch our people. Um, the, what particularly with you know worship and some different things that we've been needing to do uh being in your 
living room or on your computer watching something has, we've been extraordinarily eclectic in what we've done on Sunday mornings. Uh, well, weekend services now post on Saturday nights. I got to start, start talking in the right terms uh, with our videos. And, and it stretched our people. Uh, I, you know, uh, we've just done a lot of different things. When we get back into the space, you know, some of that we're going to carry. And, you know, people have said, oh, I didn't quite know that's what that was. So I didn't like hymns, but now I do. Or that contemporary music isn't quite as bad as I thought it was. You know, it was not what I thought it was. Um, so we've used this opportunity to kind of expose, you know, our people to some things that maybe they hadn't been exposed to. And uh, we're going to use the, the chance to just really stretch our, our people. We're talking about starting some video groups. Uh, I believe in incarnational ministry, so I don't like the idea of an internet church. I, I don't think that's an oxymoron. I don't think there is such a thing. But, um, but why couldn't young families meet digitally two, three times a month and then once or twice a month gather in their groups? Um, so again, that's the strategy of an enhancement of, not a replacement for. But we've planted maybe two or three, maybe four groups during this time, just with Zoom. And nobody wants to do Zoom forever, you know. And I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's a, you know, we're gonna do just Zoom groups. I, I think you're, you're probably gonna get a lot of groans from your people. But, um, but we, we have learned, we have exposed our people to some new tools. Online giving, you know, we're gonna do a big online giving push, and just, hey guys, you know, we're still gonna pass the plate. We're not gonna take away options but we're really going to encourage you to do these things because we think this is best long-term. So I would say hit the reset button, use this chance. People are really forgiving. They're open to change perhaps like they've never been. Uh, and, and do, don't do everything, you know, uh, it, it, when it comes to change management, you know, the, even if the body needs like 20 surgeries and the body says, we're ready, do all of them at once. You know, the good doctor is going to say, if I do all 20 surgeries all at the same time, you're going to die. You stay, you're ready. You're not. Mm -hmm. So even to the church that's like, we're ready for change. They're not. They can't have all 20 surgeries at once. Pick one or two and then move forward and show your church. This is an opportunity to show your church, hey, we can implement change in a way that is not threatening, that is good for the body, and we can move forward. So uh, I would encourage all pastors not just to go back to the way that things work. Use this time at least for one thing to, to, to show your church we can do this. I think it could be a very encouraging time. The other thing that I would say is you're probably going to be smaller coming back just because of people and their concerns. So don't, don't get so caught up in the numbers. You know, if you're half the size you were before the virus, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. Don't, don't, you just you can't you can't get swept into that because it, it's it's completely unknown as to what's going to happen we're actually anticipating being you know 15 20 percent smaller go forward uh and that it may stay there uh and and giving to be down a little bit as well so the other thing that i would say is just anticipate you know not not giant crowds that first week back but actually smaller crowds kind of prepare your soul for that if you have a large crowd and everyone comes back and they're all there and it feels like Easter, hey that's great it, it, but at least you were prepared for a little smaller so that's what i would say is uh change now's the time and don't be afraid of being smaller it's it's going to happen to a lot of people um and a lot of pastors are going to lie about it and they're going to say that you know hey we're bigger than we've ever been when it's not true. um so just you got to be okay with both of those things yeah yeah that's good thanks sam 
Kyle, you want to send us uh, I've exhausted my knowledge. That's literally all I know. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. Well, and that's also the done mark for knuckleheads in isolation drinking black yes. coffee. And uh, so it's been a fun journey. Uh, we've had a number of great guests, including uh, Sam and a, uh, a couple of, I think, Florida Kyle, does Florida have the most guests for this with Jimbo and yeah, Josh so. and Sam? Yeah, I would. Yep, I believe so. Yeah. Well, cool. So, so Congratulations, Florida, Florida, Florida. You win. <laughs> uh, you didn't win that one election a few years ago, but but you, you won this. Uh, but uh, Kyle, send us out. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. <laughs>